You first have to understand the noise. The, the crowd. I could hear they were close onto the road. And, and not just because I had great hearing to make up for my blind eyes. I mean, this was a roar. People cheering and clapping and singing. As they got closer, I, I, I tried to listen as carefully as I could, see if I could make out what they were saying. I knew that they were coming my way. See, some of us sat by the main gates where most of the people would come and go. I know people by how they walk, whether they drag their feet or not. And every day I just sat there, waited for mercy. But I, all I could do was listen. Suddenly I realized that they cheered for him. Some grumbled even speaking his name. Others said he was the Messiah. But a handful of them had, had witnessed him healing people. I crawled closer to the road, afraid that I might be trampled. I, I could hear that there were a lot of people coming. Is that him? Is that the teacher? Anyone tell me? Is it him? And someone said, Yes, it was Jesus. And to this day, I, I can't explain it, but I just yelled. I yelled louder than I had ever yelled. Son of David, have mercy on me. He heard me and he, he came over where I was and asked what I wanted to see. And then everything I had always hoped to lay my eyes on was there before me. I followed him that day and the next day. And the next day, what amazed me was, it seemed like the people that could see the best were the most blind. As for who I say he is, one day, I was yelling for him to heal me. Now, here we are in Jerusalem, yelling, to all those who have ears to hear that he is Hosanna in the highest. He is the Messiah. He is. I have been impacted by this story in, in, in several ways. And I'd like to take two weeks to really pull this entire time together because of what's said, because of what's done. It just can't be looked at and a little lesson from it. I want to take you through it. I want you to be there. I want you to understand what's being said, what's going on. So what I've done is I've entitled this the question from Jesus, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? Good question, huh? However, it's a lot different today than it was then. Let's, let's go ahead and get into Scripture, shall we? Because I, I only got an hour and a half to preach this this morning, so I, Mark chapter 10, we're going to take the story from there. Now they came to Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. 
as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, we'll talk about that, but I want you to be aware of it, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus went Oh, I'm sorry. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. There's a lot there. What you have is Jesus with his disciples. And as they've been walking, the crowd's been building and building and building and they have they have grown to a great multitude at this point it's it's an interesting journey i mean i mean uh when you go through this there are phrases that are here and they're key to the scripture in so many ways here is a man who is in desperate need and he meets with compassion and, pow and the power of Jesus to heal him. Now, this story is, is well, it's kind of strange in that it seems to appear in Luke's gospel, but in Luke there are two beggars. And the two beggars in Luke are at the other end of the city. And then in Matthew there are two beggars, but if you read it, I don't know, I, I don't know where they, they are, to be honest with you. They just seem to appear. So it's been asked, are we talking about the same people here? And really, I'm going to be upfront with you and just tell you, it doesn't matter. This one has a name. And that's probably because he was a member of the local church when Mark was writing this. And so, uh, you know, I, well, I don't know if you realize that the local church had these people as members of the church. So when he gives their name, it's saying, oh, you know, so-and-so. And in this case, it's Bartimaeus. Now, it's, it's a Hebrew word. Of course, bar means what? Son of. And Timaeus, the father's name. So it's Bartimaeus. And we, we well, I'll t the way we would say it today, if you want to, know how we'd say it is you'd say simply uh, Tim's son. It's Tim's son. So this is how it's supposed to come across. You're reading about someone you know and it says he was the beggar who had his eyes open. He's, he's blind. Now let me say this and, and I say it choosing my words carefully you, you can't think of that by today's blind because blindness in Bible days was a horrible thing. That could It was one of the most horrible things that could happen to you. Not that it's not horrible today. However, then, I mean, they had diseases of the eyes which today would be easily cured. No problem. But then they... They would make you, well, that, that disease would make you go rapidly blind, totally blind. This guy had been someone who could see. And, and remember what he said to Jesus. Now, I'm pulling it out of a different version to give you the depth of the Greek wording there. And so I'm using the American Standard Version that's been updated. And it, it, it says there... In Mark 10, 44, it says, And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? 
And the blind man said to him, and here's where it's at, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. I want to regain my sight. That's the actual wording. Don't take it from me for as far as, you know, just simply accepting it. Look it up yourself. Research it. Take a look at the wording there. And, and you'll see what I'm talking about, that it is evident that he had his vision before, which was not uncommon with the diseases that were present there. This was a disease that had taken his eyes. Maybe he had an accident, but, but something somewhere had, hap- had happened. And, 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 and he could see, and then he, he, he couldn't see, okay? But what could you do back then? I mean, honestly. Back then, in that day and age, they couldn't cure it. You, you, you can't work with being blind. And, and they didn't have disability or SSI back then. At, so, so the moment you hear the words, you're blind, life was over. It was essentially done. To, 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 to parallel it would be to compare it to leprosy. And, and that was worse, trust me. They would call you the walking dead. No future. You're useless. And, and with this, you, you could have been some really important person, right? In that town or that city, I mean, you were the man. But the moment you're blind, you're done. The only thing they did for you was they gave you a cloak, right? that we see with his garments. They gave you a cloak that said you were a blind person. That cloak was an identity. And what it was is is that it was a license to beg. It allowed you to beg. So hopefully you had a friend who would take you to the spot at the entrance of the city and you'd sit there helpless, unseeing, and all you could do is, is when you heard the steps, which in turn then you'd cry out for alms. Alms, which was money, obviously, that you were begging for. And usually the beggars would all sit together. So if you're walking down that path, you'd have about 10, maybe 15 beggars all together. And one after the other, they're all screaming at you, for money. It's a very sad picture if you really want to take a look at it. Now understand, it was commonly believed by everyone that if you're blind, then the curse of God was upon you. If you're blind, somebody somewhere, someplace has done something wrong. Obviously, someone in your family has sinned. And this is the punishment for you. I mean, the, the, and, and, and I understand this. The beggars, when they were screaming, and if you came close to them, they, they would look the other way like this. They would just simply turn their head for shame when they're asking for the money. They, they're just shameful about their condition, who they were. It, it, was, it was, you know... <laughs> It was that way for all beggars, not just the blind, all beggars. In fact, you remember in Acts chapter 3, when, when, when Peter said to the lame beggar, you remember what he said to him? Look at us. That's because their heads would be turned in shame. Shame, you know, not worthy, I'm no good. That kind of mentality that just, just defined their lives. Or how about John 5? You remember there? when Jesus and his disciples passed by the man who had been born blind. And what did the disciples say? Of sin, right? The man or his parents. I mean, it's assumed somebody sinned. This is the punishment of God. And I I love that story. Because remember what Jesus did to that blind man? He spit in the ground formed some mud and onto his eyeballs. Because I believe, and I've told you this for years, that this guy was born without eyeballs. 
And what Jesus did was create eyeballs out of the clay because he is the creator. So much so that everybody around it, is that, is that who I think it is? Why were they so amazed that it was him? Well, you read the story. You'll get the picture because, what, what, but here, Bartimaeus, what I want you to do is try and get inside his head. It's, it's not a nice place, okay? I mean, you again, you got shame. You have guilt. You, you don't know, you know, what you did. Something's wrong with you. And, and then you got this place called Jericho. <laughs> Do you know that it, Jericho is the lowest place on earth? I mean, next to the Dead Sea, right there. It's, it's, it's just right a little bit. It's the lowest place in the earth. The actual level is, is, I mean, the lowest level, again, is this. But Jericho is 1,371 feet below sea level. Whoa. That's to say, in other words, it's really hot there. And where it's really hot, and in those days, especially with all the, you know, hygienical stuff that goes flies and bugs and all that stuff is all around you and you sit there. I hate sitting there like that and you just sweat. You know what I'm talking about? That, that's what you're sitting in. You're sitting in all that smell and all the garbage. You're thinking uh, uh, flies is hot. Now, 17 miles, well, I should do it this way because this is my right, but that's not your right. 17 miles to your right, straight uphill, 17 miles, you have this steepness from the lowest point, and now it's a steep road, and where that goes up to the right is a place called Jerusalem. Jerusalem is 2,070 feet above sea level. Why am I making this inference? Because the Jews who didn't want to deal with the Samaritans, they lived in, in the middle, okay? Uh, the, the, the Judea is, is well, the Jews, let's put it this way. You have the Galilee up at the top, right? And then if you come halfway down, you're dealing with the, the Samaritans and you've got Judea over there where Jerusalem is. So if you lived up here, right, in the Galilee area, and you, and you want to not go through Samaria, you heard the stories of that, right? That's where Jesus breaks out the parable uh, of, about the, the, the Samaritan that got beaten up and the priest skipped it. Oh, so if you lived up there in Galilee and you wanted to go through, and you did not want to go through Samaria, you would cut down then by the river Jordan and you would come down, come down, come down, come down to Jericho. And then once you reached there, then you would head up to Jerusalem. You'd avoid the Samaritans plus in that, on that road, particularly that's bypassing Samaria, uh, you got a lot of traffic on this road. Now, add that traffic to all the travelers who were selling. You had the caravans, you had the camels, you had the donkeys. I mean, it was a busy, busy, busy road. For a beggar, that's great news. They had their ears in tune, like, like he said in the video, listening. A lot of gossips going on, though. A lot of people have been talking about the Messiah. Uh, as the people would pass by, you could hear them whispering and talking, and their ears, the, the, the beggar's ears would be attuned to that. Bartimaeus would have been listening to that. I don't know how long he listened. I don't know when he became aware of, but it was probably about three years he's been hearing the people talk about this man from Galilee. Now, one of the marks of the Messiah, it's important to understand this, was that he would open the eyes of the blind. He would open the eyes of the blind. Don't, don't know if you ever thought about it that, as far as the context of this, but you read it over here in Isaiah and chapter 35. It says, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. 
the lame shall leap like a deer. Well, when you see that, when you see that, you'll know the Messiah has come. And, and, and then it says in, in verse 10, it says, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Bartimaeus knows from childhood, as every Jew has, as every Jew has gone through his memorizings of the Scripture and understanding of the passages, and, and it's something that they would contain and retain as a result of that. As a child, he's heard these words, he's, he's listened to them explained, and he thinks about it as he sits under the sweltering heat, hoping for money. I mean, he's been thinking, for example, there in verse 6 of chapter 42, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison. Oh, man, can you imagine? Can you just for a moment get into Bartimaeus's head where he's sitting, what he's going through, his condition, his situation, the heat, the, the, the junk that's all around him, all the others who have been there with him that are other beggars been talking, they've been listening, they've been hearing. And, and, and I mean, this man is sitting there and, and someone from the Galilee comes by and says, there's this one. We, we, we don't even know how to describe them. We just, I mean, you know, our problem is we just read Scripture. We, we, just, we just read the Gospels. But can you imagine him sitting there in that heat? And you hear that there's somebody coming from the Galilee, this one you've heard about. You, you, you hear of all the healings, but he has also brought sight for the blind. Because when he hears that, something explodes inside of him. I mean, kaboom, there, that, that, that there's somebody up in the Galilee that is healing the sick, causing people to rejoice and be glad, and he's healing the blind. And it immediately turns into desire. Look, uh, let me get in some trouble here this morning. In our part of the world, do you remember when Jesus said, ask, whatever you ask. Well, today, ask doesn't mean very much, to be honest with you, especially in our entitlement mentality in society. And I don't mean to be rude, but it's really just the way it is. The word actually is better translated here, desire. It's got fire to it, friend. It's got passion. And, 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 and a must necessity to it. It's got to... That, that, that's, that's what it's like here for Bartimaeus. That's what I want you to see, feel. He, he's, he's like, who, 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 Galilee, the man I've heard about, I've been listening about this, and he's going crazy. And, I mean, look, <laughs> I want you to understand this, okay? Let, let me just veer off. For, why am I making sound effects this morning? I have no idea. Start. Okay, the promises of God. His word is full of promises, amen? You know, full of promises of one kind or another. Why is it that God speaks in promises? Huh. I think I've ever asked that question, Pastor. Well, I have. Why is it that God speaks in promises? Well, friend, let me put this plainly. A promise is something that he tells you he's going to do ahead of time, and then he does it. 
And I'm like, why doesn't he just do it and surprise us? Why does he do it by promise? Hello? Why does he do Look, I believe every promise of God is there to fuel desire. Hear that. Every promise of God is there to fuel desire. By putting the promises there, he's stroking the fire. And by the time he's actually doing it, you're just going bonkers to get it. Oh, oh, it's got, oh, yes. Now, maybe not that crazy like me, but I, abs, mm, I'm going to get in trouble here. Look, I, I believe that a necessary way of understanding God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is by desire. And, 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 and I mean, he's the God who has desire. And, and our desiring is about bringing ourselves in line with him, in sync. So, therefore, he needs promises to get us started on that road. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be very poignant on this, so it's all big one screenshot for you. But the Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. Let me say that part again. The Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. The Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. So when the Bible says ask, understand it really means a desire for the things that are asked for. You're going crazy over it. <coughs> Excuse me, you're going bonkers over it. The Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. And when it, it, it really, when it's not, I need this, God. God, I need, I need a new pair of shoes. God, my car is going bad. I need you to get me a new car. God, my refrigerator died. I can't get that anymore. God, I need you to fix my refrigerator. You, you know what I'm saying? It's just we, we take ask, and it's more of an entitlement thing. No, 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 no. Do you understand what, 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 what Jesus is saying here? Do you understand what Bartimaeus is expressing here? There's this, this craziness. There's this expectancy. There's this desire that's overwhelmed. You, you, you know? Friend, honestly, and you can write it down if you want, but there's no desire in religion today. It's just talk about everything like it's meaningless. Do you realize that religion never expects anything to happen? And when it prays or it asks, there is no expectancy of God. You want to know why? It's dead. Holy Spirit is the desire of God in action among us. Listen, when we hear a word, a promise, it's like telling your kids you're going to take them out for ice cream. That's how we work. We tell people a promise. You tell them what you're going to do and, and now... That possibility then grows inside of us and we realize that the promise is available to us. Do you see that? That, 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 that promise, it's the possibility that grows. Ah, he said we're going to go for ice cream. That's a, that's a possibility, a real possibility. I don't even have, he didn't, he didn't say, if I clean out the garage or, or if I clean out the car or if I clean my bedroom or whatever. He just, he just said we're going to take a supper. That's a possibility that grows inside of us. And we realize that this promise is available. And that availability then fans, fans, I want to say fans the fire. It, 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 it fans this desire 
I mean, this want. I want this. It's available. Oh, yes, it is. And then my imagination comes in, and there's a, there's a future that opens up in my imagination so I can see that ice cream. Hallelujah. I can taste it. Can somebody give me a witness? You talk about it. It increases the desire. I can tell you that these beggars were talking about it. They, they were not ignorant of the word of God. Here's Bartimaeus sitting with a bunch of these guys talking about someone in Galilee that they've been listening about and listening about who's making blind people see. And as they talk, they determine this was the Messiah because they called him the son of David. Now, the sound he hears, Bartimaeus, the sound of, let's say, a hundred feet on the road. That's unusual. It's a, and, and, they're, and they're dust and, you know, pattering and going and running and the voices. And, 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 and what's happening? Something's happening. He knows that. And someone just tells him very quickly, as they rush by, Jesus, Jesus, the one from Nazareth, the, the Galilee is passing by here in the next 30 to 60 minutes, and, and, and there's a crowd already, and they're, they're, they're running ahead, and they're crying out, He's coming! He's coming! He's coming! And this hope, this desire, suddenly now turns into faith. Listen, and you've heard me allude to it before, but I need to say it here. Faith is not something you have that enables you to get what you don't have. Faith is not something you have that enables you to get what you don't have. Can I tell you that's a poverty mindset? That's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's a mindset. You know, I, I'm drawing on it. I'm trying to, you know, look, let me just cut it to the point. Faith is knowing I have it. And faith says, I'll take it. Even though right now you don't see it, faith is that knowing I've got it. I know God has given it to me, therefore I'm going to take it. Now, here he sits. And the word is, he's here. Bartimaeus is saying, he is the son of David. I'm taking it. That's what he's saying. He's not going to say, well, if I have enough faith, I'll get it. No, he, he, he can taste it. Mm. it it's here. It, it, it's available. It's here. It's available. And I'm going to take it. And he explodes in this wild shouting, he's unleashing every dream, every imagination that he's had over the past who knows how long. And he cries out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Would you understand me if I was to tell you it's not to get the attention of a disinterested Jesus? Well, maybe if I shout loud enough, he'll come. No. Understand, this is a response. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? I mean, I'd like to spend about a half an hour on that previous statement, but I, I need to go on to what, I mean, you have Bartimaeus sending him a message. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He, he can't see Jesus. He can't see him. But he knows he's there. So he sends him a message. And the message was, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the son of David. And I'm sending you a message. I know who you are. And I'm over here. Have 
mercy on me. Sometimes I get very frustrated with that word mercy because of our concept of what mercy is today. The word in actual Hebrew, because you, Hebrew, because you know they were Hebrews, they weren't Greeks. So what they were speaking was Hebrew, but it's translated in the Septuagint to us through the Greek. But that word in Hebrew is the word hased, which means a covenant has been made and now God will keep that covenant even if it kills him. He, would, he will rather die than break that covenant, and he will do in your life everything he has promised. Now, I say that, and immediately in our current culture, day and age, we accept the statement, but dismiss the availability. We don't think of it as a complete true statement. It might happen sometimes, in some cases. Something's going on here. I'm preaching to something. And, and, and when, I, when I come to this, if you really want to take a translation here that's better than the word mercy in the Hebrew, it is the word Loving kindness. That's the word. Loving kindness. And the reason I bring, uh, you can just write that down. It's not your notes, but hey, you know, there's a, look, look, it's, it's not, it's not pity me. Pity me. I, I'm no good. Have, have mercy on me. So what does mercy mean, especially in the New Testament? A simple word would be compassion. What you are dealing with is a word, compassion, that has a Latin derivative. In other words, it comes from the Latin. You have, first of all, calm, which means with. Then you have passion, which means to suffer. So compassion means I will suffer with you. With it is also the understanding I cannot and I will not let you stay in the pain you are in. When you see the word compassion, when Jesus had compassion on them, do you realize what's building up within him, what's stirring within him is to say, I cannot and I will not let you stay in the pain you're in. Compassion means I will get inside your pain and rescue you from it. I just can't walk by you. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. No, I'm, 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 I just can't leave you where you are. I just can't leave you where you are. That's compassion. Compassion is not sympathy. I love watching all your heads go down as you, you're like, oh. compassion is not sympathy. Hello, somebody. To translate this passage properly, let me give it to you. Son of David, do mercy me. <laughs> Not have mercy on me. It's do mercy to me. Hello, do it. Do it, do it, do it. Be compassionate. Release your love. Do mercy. Compassion. That's this word. But, but remember, the people here, as I said, their language, their, their language, it's not English, thank goodness. Their language is Hebrew. It, it take, what it does is it takes you back into the Old Testament. Loving kindness that is in covenants. That's the understanding of the word I said. Why do I say it? Because it's not a contract. That's the way we look at it here in the Western Hemisphere of the world. No, it's. It, no, it's not contract. A covenant means I give myself unlimitedly to you and I'll die to achieve the ends of my love. That's loving kindness. That's the original meaning of mercy. Wow. It's not the idea I'm, I'm unworthy. There's something very, 
there's something wrong with me. And, and I come before God with this fear. Am I good enough? That, that's contract thinking, friend. God isn't in a contract with you. God is in covenant. And he brings me into this love relationship where he will give himself totally to me. Something. Do mercy. Do mercy. It means do the covenant. Do that which you have sworn with a covenant oath to do. Bartimaeus was desiring what Jesus desired. Do you see that? And, and, and I say that because the, the covenant of God is, well, it's now walking down the street. Look who's walking in. I'm, I'm not going to sing it, though. The covenant of God. Walking down the street. So I, I reach out to lay hold. Do covenant. Do covenant. I know who you are. I know who you are. I can't see you, but I'm here. Do me covenant. Do me covenant. Bartimaeus wasn't making this up in the moment just didn't happen. Ooh, ooh, maybe I ought to do something. Ooh, let's do it now. Ooh, ooh, opportunity. No, not opportunity. This has been availability. He knows the scripture. He knows the covenant, and the covenant, he's here. I'm calling on that covenant, and he shouts it out. Desire. Oh, man, desire that's been right to, to, to be that. Jesus, son of David, I know who you are. Do mercy. Do covenant. Do loving kindness. Do, do, do on me, with me. That's a desire that rises up, that is in sync with his desire. It's high time, I think, the church begins to rise up. Well, the covenant is here, walking amongst us. I know who you are! Do you really? Or do you know about him? I mean, do you know him? Or is this something you've been learning? And I don't mean experientially, I mean academically. Because this was not something that he learned. This is something that was real. He experienced it. And he was going to reach out, lay hold of it, and take it. I think we assured as Bartimaeus was. This is part one. It's not part two. I'll get into the rest of this later. But I'm here to describe, uh, what I'm here to do is to declare, church, let us rise up. We might not be able to see in the midst of everything we're in, in our problems, in our condition, in the heat of things, in the problems of things. We not, might not be able to see that he's here, but I can tell you, he's here. And we're not shouting to get his attention. We're shouting because what's in us is erupting all over the place. The availability. I'm going to get some ice cream. This is covenant God. And what he has promised to do, he said he will do and he will do it. Don't get that confused with just our wants. This is 
desire that explodes. And is in sync with his heart. Something something taking place. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our lives in this. I just pray that right now in the midst of these words. That our hearts will become alive. The flame, the fire, the passion. Compassion. Let us call on that covenant and begin to shout out that we know who you are. Have loving kindness on us. Do mercy. In the name of Jesus. What do we want you to do for us? Lord, You don't burden us because of a chance. There is a commonality, a reality. Lord, there's a blindness. Amen. Stand with me. I'm, 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 I just feel like I need to say some things here and not pray it. I think you better do more than bless. I think you need to get a towel and a few other things. Look, how many have loved ones your heart is burdened? do something, God. I hope you're reaching, God. Oh, yeah. A lot of desire there, huh? Has your desire turned into faith because you know it? I don't serve a risen Savior because I hope to go to heaven someday. I know it. And I've reached out taken it. His word still says that his promises are yes in him and amen in him. Hello, somebody. And I'm here to tell you that he has not gone back on his word. Oh, well, I prayed and it, and it didn't happen. This one didn't get healed. This one didn't have this. This, this thing never came through. We ended up bankrupt. Bing. And I'm here to tell you, maybe, just maybe, the enemies allowed us, tricked us, guided us to look at things much differently and not be in sync with who he is. The Holy Spirit is God's desire in action among us. You know what? You got unsaved loved ones. You got a, a situation. You know what? I want you to, to know, not wish for, not ask. I mean, there's so much doubt in people's asking. It's sad. And the only reason you doubt is because you don't know you got it. You hope you're going to get it. Well, we don't work in, 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 in a halfway tank with Jesus. When our hearts are in sync with him, we declare our families. We declare that situation. And when we're in a situation, and, and the issue is, we, we know we're going to walk through it. We know we're going to be in the middle of it. We also know that he is with us, and we're coming through it in the name of Jesus. And there's more to this than meets the eye. But friend... It's time. It is so time. Son of David! (laughs) I know who you are. I can't see you. But I know who you are. Do loving kindness. Do covenant. There's something alive in me. It's passionate. 
It is raging. The fans have been flaming the fire, and I can't contain it anymore. I have reached out. I'm taking it. I know who you are. Do confidence in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with him, you don't know him as Lord and Savior. not hard. That's because he made it simple. He did. It's not up to you to earn it. You don't earn it. You receive it. What do you receive? His grace. And in that grace is forgiveness for our condition, for our situation. And we become his. And he joins us. So if you're in this place this morning, and you don't have that kind of relationship with him. This is not an intellectual relationship. This is a heart relationship. I invite you to simply receive it. I can't think of a better place than on these altars. That's why this morning, I'm inviting this house, my prayer, and this place to cry out in a way that exemplifies Bartimaeus. Son of David, I know who you are. Do loving kindness. Open the eyes of my understanding. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me with wisdom and understanding the knowledge of your will. Sink us, Lord. Never come together before. And in the name of Jesus, do loving kindness in my family. I see it. I taste it. It's available. This day, I am saying, Son of David, I receive Is ready 